you all, so this goes to you and to the team for all the hard work we put in day in and day out. <laughs> we about to get it in, baby. Let's get it. Welcome to our kind of pod, a special UW football themed episode of the Boyd Meets World podcast. Uh, today's episode, we're talking about the 2 and 1 Washington Huskies, fresh off of a nice win over Hawaii. Things look much better when you play a team uh, that can't really play defense, but uh, go figure. Uh, so, we talked about the, the big studs of that game Hunter Bryant, Miles Bryant, the Bryant Bros. Uh, the Husky backfield, how that's looking, uh, and then some fun with the BYU team, uh, analyzing them both as an actual serious football team and then the weird white guy names that they have on their team. Uh, that plus some Pac-12 talk, national scene, uh, and then Great Cat and OKG as always. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. Peace. Stanton, uh, welcome back. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing. Uh, I had, I didn't have anything to say, but I didn't have anything in particular to say, but it sounded like I had something in particular to say. So I apologize for that incredibly awkward open. Um, good to hear from you, my man. Yeah. You had me on pins and needles there for a moment. <laughs> if you need to take guess, a minute to recover from that, let me know. Um, <laughs> That was no, we all... roll with the punches here. Absolutely. Yeah, this this makes up for the time that we had that really great opening where we talked about uh, Trader Joe's Orange Chicken and it wasn't recorded. And that was like our best <laughs> opening ever. So, Well, uh, it's better than the podcast that just never was, was uh, released. Yes. So. That was the uh, the Pac-12 preview last year. Um, basketball, was it not? Oh, basketball too. Yeah, there's been two two yeah. two lost pods. They were. It was our best work as well. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the, I'm glad the football one didn't make it to uh, people's ears because that one had me predicting Arizona win the, the, winning the Pac-12, and that was football, oh, not no. basketball. Not that that's not that that matters anymore, but <laughs> yeah, uh, cool. Well, congrats on surviving a normal weather Pac-12 game or uh, Husky game because um, that was the opposite of what you had the, the week before. But must have felt nice. September football, nice weather. Whooping some, whooping some tail. That's that's a that's a nice Saturday right there. Yeah, the uh, the first half is is kind of a blur. Um, probably a combination of just how quickly the the Huskies were moving the ball, and also just the fact that I decided to drink a little bit more beer than normal just to make up for the um, kerfuffle that was the Cal game the week before. <laughs> Sounds like you got in a fight if that was the case, which I'm down to hear about. But uh, yeah, there's definitely we talked about this with Zach Peggins uh, the week before of just like your your pre pregame strategy changes entirely uh, based off of of the opponent. Um, there are many of of uh, a college game uh, from when I was there that are blurs for that exact reason. But well, you you used to call me at halftime when you were a freshman. And you just would ask me to tell you what happened in the first half. Ah, uh, wow! Pretty much every game. I love when you break news on the podcast. <laughs> That's great. Uh, my yeah. dad will love to hear that. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tuition money was well spent. Um, <laughs> anyways, the Huskies beat the reigning Pac-12 champions, uh, the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, who were previously victorious over uh, the Oregon State Beavers and the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, ipso facto, the Huskies are now sitting on top of the Pac-12. You can't tell me otherwise. Uh, it was fun. First six possessions were led to Husky scores, five touchdowns. Uh, the first of those touchdowns was from Hunter Bryant, uh, who is our first down topic today. Hunter Bryant is essentially the nuclear access key uh, for this team. The better he plays, the better our offense looks. Uh, he is real fun. Yeah, absolute matchup nightmare. This is nothing new for for our listeners of the pod. We've been talking about him for three years now in that regard uh five receptions 115 yards and that touchdown you mentioned um it's the second highest yardage amount in any game as a husky only behind uh the 2017 cal game where he had nine receptions for uh just six yards more 121 and a touchdown um this one was probably his most efficient just given that he was able to accumulate 115 yards over only five receptions that drag route that post route over the middle was on all day so i'm hoping that we can continue that um, as we move forward in the season, um, a little nugget here, and I think you saw it as well, is that per pro football focus, he's the number one graded tight end in the country so far this season, um, which honestly 
doesn't really shock me because he has the talent and athleticism to really, you know, separate himself in that category. So, um, yeah, all in all, pretty great start for Hunter Bryant. That is uh, really funny that you brought that up about his his performance in the Cal game because I was thinking, I was like, wow, it kind of feels like Hunter Bryant is this podcast in terms of like when he started to come on is when we did the podcast. That Cal Mm -hmm. game was right before the Arizona State game. So that week is the first time we ever did a podcast about Husky football. So that is really freaking funny. The the game he came on is also the week that we started podcasting. And also the weekend that we uh, officially jinxed Husky football uh, because they laid a fat old egg uh, at, at, uh, at Arizona State that year. Uh, yeah, Bryant is awesome. He's the John Mackey tight end of the week. He had catches of 47 yards in the touchdown, uh, 30 yards, 17 yards, and 14 yards. Um, he's just a walking, explosive play. As you say, when he gets on a linebacker and crosses them over the middle of the field, uh, it doesn't matter if it's Hawaii or Ohio State. He's beating yep. that guy and has done that um, it, throughout his career when he's been healthy. I loved that play, that touchdown, for a lot of reasons. First of which, it came right after the targeting call um, on that first drive where where the Hawaii defender cheap shot Aaron Fuller as he was going to the ground. Um, so right after the dust of that call, you just go straight at them in the middle of the field uh, as they're rotating a new, new defensive back in. Love that call. Uh, makes total sense in terms of, of, of flow of the game, things like that. Uh, but also Kate Otten's role on that on that highlight. I don't know if you've seen it over a, a couple different times here. Uh, but Kate Otten essentially does a pick route, but like, 25 yards down the field um, and just makes <laughs> makes the defender get around him to to stay with Bryant. Mm-hmm. Um, good to know that the Huskies have figured out how to do those because if you remember uh, in the Auburn game last year that they had a, a touchdown call back because of a pick route, uh, albeit on the yep. goal line, there's a lot more eyeballs on it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just a well-designed play. And I think his number there of uh, five touches, which he's averaged for the th- first three games, is something that's like that's that's the floor. This this is someone that you cannot uh, not have in the game plan. We we bitched and moaned last year because in the Ohio State game it took so long to get him the ball, and then when you saw him uh, finally catch it, you saw what he could do. Um, but yeah, he is he is just something that like he he is the Huskies' number one receiver for all intents and purposes um, in terms of just ability and and uh, and probably who a defense is most concerned about heading into a week. Yeah, and you you mentioned uh, when he's healthy. Um, He only played in five games last season, and then he played in nine in his freshman year, but he played sparingly or was involved sparingly in those nine games, only accumulating 22 receptions, um, 11 last year over those five games. So he's already at 15 for the season so far through three, so he could very well eclipse that that reception record of 22, personal record of 22, maybe even this week. Um, but within two weeks, he should be able to do that if he continues to produce like he has been so far. Yeah, I'm down for him to break it this week because that means he gets the ball more and therefore this offense is humming. So yes. um, yeah, it's it's uh, it, he's been awesome. I remember, I think earlier, I don't know if it was postseason last year, preseason this year, but uh, talking about how he and Byron Murphy are going to have similar Husky careers and just the amount of games they played, but impact they had uh, in the games that they actually did play because we only got real two full seasons of Murphy um, and and are essentially going to get that with Bryant, assuming he stays healthy this year. Um, the throw to, to Bryant was great, but I do want to, because we're not going to talk about Jacob Eason or any quarterback really for the first time ever on this podcast, wow. but I did want to bring it up uh, that the throw to, he had a lot of amazing throws this game, but the throw to Puka Nakua, congrats to Puka, first touchdown, first catch. That's 28 yards in the book, but from where Jacob Eason threw that ball on the far hash, 47 yards in the air, uh, according to a little Pythagorean calculations from your boy. Ah, yes. Uh, 47 yards in the air or thereabouts to get to to Nakua is just an absolutely perfect ball. Uh, Boy, is it fun when he is allowed to sling the ball downfield, as uh, as we've seen uh, more in the Eastern and Hawaii games than in the Cal game. Yeah, and those are the type of passes that Jake Browning – I mean, it could make, but wouldn't necessarily make consistently just because overall arm strength wasn't there compared to Eason. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be fun if he can continue to improve and maintain his level uh, to see what type of throws he can actually pull off. There's hopefully going to be none of that John Ross having to come back for a catch like in that Cal game. It'll just be, you know, over the top in stride with whatever wide receiver he's hitting on that given play. 
<laughs> yeah, the other throw that comes to mind from the the Hawaii game being the the, the bullet to Aaron Fuller in the middle of the field, um, where just just put it in the exact location it needed to be, uh, right past the defender into into Fuller's hands. Um, it, his arm talent, like it will be talked to death at this podcast and basically anywhere else anyone's talking about Jacob Eason, mm-hmm. but it is no joke. Like you can you can feel the steam coming off of his hand when when he's releasing that ball, which just allows for this offense to do so much more, including in the screen game. We saw so much stuff yep. to the outside. All of that happens so much more crisply when the quarterback can get that ball out uh, as fast as he can. Yep. I'm uh, I'm definitely excited to see more of that because that was a very slow developing play last season. Yes, and has been for, for some time now. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to second down. We don't have to change last names too much for this as we're going to talk about the other Bryants, uh, Miles Bryant, a.k.a. the Husky Badger. I don't know if you like that one or not, but oh, uh, yeah. yeah, thank God for Miles Bryant. He has um, been a guy who's had a lot of different roles in his Husky career, but now he is Probably the best uh, player on that defense. I, I don't even know if you can say if you need to say probably. He's the best player on that defense. Uh, two picks and a sack on Saturday, uh, playing mostly out of the slot. But as we've talked about before, the plan is for him to he can be play safety, play on the outside. Um, the, the Huskies are playing a lot of defensive backs in this game, six a lot of the time. Uh, but he is just I'm so glad he's on this team because this defense, I think, would struggle immensely without him. Yeah, two picks, one sack, four tackles, named Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week. Um, All over the field, like you mentioned. I think, I don't know if you remember my text message during the game, but I'm pretty sure I saw him line up in three-tech on the interior line (laughs) even. Um, That could have been the beer talking. Yeah, I was going to say. He was was definitely lurking. Yeah, there it is. He was definitely lurking up near the line of scrimmage. So um, even with his smaller stature, he can still make plays up near the line of scrimmage and in the backfield like we saw with that sack. Um, a lot of people forget the fact that Miles Bryant was a walk-on uh, years ago for the Huskies. So it's it's nice to see someone like that you know, really step up and improve and become the force that he is now on this defense. Um, also... Nice to get off the block from a turnover standpoint uh, mm-hmm. after having zero in the first two games. Cam Williams also added an INT in this one to make it three turnovers for the Huskies. Uh, this was an area we've talked about in the past, how we expected to potentially improve upon our mid-50s turnover mark last season just because um, a less experienced and proven secondary teams might be more inclined to pass on them. Um I'd say that's probably still the case, but we have it's early and we haven't seen as many turnovers obviously yet until this week. So hopefully this is the beginning of something great and that we can uh, string together a few games where we where we get some takeaways on the board as well. Yeah, and also, I mean, the the, the turnovers are huge, but uh, playing Cole McDonald, if you don't get three interceptions against Cole McDonald, uh, sure. you're, you're not doing something right. Guy guy likes to to sling it just about anywhere. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought that there were some some big takeaways from this this game defensively. Obviously, the third quarter wasn't great, uh, but that might be a focus issue more than it is a, a talent issue or things like that. Um, but it's good practice for this team to play a lot of those six d- defensive backs. Um, I think Christian Capel said that there was at times even seven defensive backs in the field, uh, but playing against USC, Wazoo, those types of teams that are really going to air it out, um, the more reps that you can have in those situations that are actual game reps um, is huge. My question to you, talking about Miles Bryant, where do you think he ranks among the best defensive backs in the, the Jimmy Lake era? And I, I, I narrowed it down here to, to City Jones, uh, Kevin King, Buda Baker, Taylor Rapp, Byron Murphy, Jordan Miller. Um, no disrespect to Ezekiel Turner or Jojo McIntosh, but I think that those guys are probably um, – they are the, the guys that actually got drafted in the NFL, so we'll, we'll keep it to them. I, I like Bryant a lot, and it's, it's, it seems like he could make a run at maybe top three or top four amongst those guys in terms of just their Husky careers. Yeah, honestly, um, as great as Bryant is, that group is just so <laughs> – so outstanding that I'd maybe rank him only over Jordan Miller, and that's a maybe. Yeah. Um, no discredit to Miles Bryant. That's just that just speaks volumes of the job that Jimmy Lake has done, bringing in mostly guys that are you know three star, not as highly touted. I mean, the Buddha Bakers of the world were, but you know the likes of Sidney Jones, Kevin King, etc. Those were guys that were not 
you know, in top 100s or anything like that. And they were able to uh, improve and become high draft picks and now are playing every week in the NFL. Um, so no disrespect to Miles Bryant. I think he has a potential on Sundays. But um, yeah, that's a that's a tough group to uh, crack into. <laughs> Yeah, and he played through all of those teams. He was on the 2016 sure. um, uh, playoff team. He was obviously on this team now. So it's just kind of it's interesting how his career has really spanned um, all of that time uh, through through playing with that whole era of, uh, of Husky DBs. Um, yeah, maybe maybe top four, but we'll see. He, he needs to have a, a big moment, I think. Um, two picks yep. against Hawaii is, is real nice, but... Um, but uh, his his time to really shine will, will probably come later in the season. Uh, third down, let's talk about this Husky running game. Uh, we had eight carries even for Savon Ahmed, uh, Sean McGrew, and our boy Dick Newton. Um, eight carries for each of those guys. Not all eight car- not all carries are made equal. Um, they all kind of had different roles. Uh, what did you think for for that timeshare? Is that something that we can expect uh, going forward? That, uh, similar similar splits, or was that just a product of uh, hey, we're playing Hawaii? It spread it around a little bit. I think that was mostly a product of just the lopsided score line. Um, it was nice to see Sean McGrew get eight touches in there because that's more than he usually does get. Um, and then in a, in a normal game that's a bit closer, you would see Ahmed probably eat up those carries from McGrew because I think Ahmed had 21 carries against Cal, something around there, to Newton's eight or nine, and then McGrew had, I think, three. So that's probably what I would expect in most games moving forward that aren't as lopsided. That being said, it was obvious what they want to do with with uh, Richard Newton, which is, you know, run him in in more shorter down situations closer to the goal line, um, which is why he had three touchdowns with only eight carries, 29 yards. So obviously not accumulating as many yards as Ahmed, who had 83 or McGrew, who had 63. But um, still, three touchdowns is quite a haul, uh, which puts him now at four rushing touchdowns for the first three games, which equals the best start in program history, tying only Bishop Sankey in 2013 when he started with four over the first three. Uh, Sankey went on to total 20 touchdowns that season and gained a UW single-season record of 1,870 yards. Newton obviously isn't going to eclipse 1870, but, you know, Nice to see a new running back that's come into the fold and is producing from a pay dirt standpoint. So um, I guess this leaves one question as to where is Kamari Pleasant? Yep. Um, he got two carries for only two yards. Um, we saw a decent amount of him. Uh, I think it was in the Rose Bowl given Gaskin's kind of struggles from a health standpoint um, or just later in the season, last season, but I think he's kind of dropped off the cliff edge from a running back standpoint, and he's clearly number four now. Yeah, so you brought up the game there, uh, or, or Kamari Pleasant's role, um, as as uh, the season went on last year, and it kind of felt like he was more a part of the team, and I, I felt mm-hmm. that same way too. And then I look back at it, Pleasant had one carry in the Rose Bowl, Zero, oh, really? <laughs> zero, yeah, yeah. I was, I was just as shocked. Zero in the Pac-12 championship. Zero in the Apple Cup. Zero against Oregon State, and then three against Stanford. So Interesting. It felt, I think, in the middle of the season when when Miles Gaskin was more banged up, um, that his role uh-huh. was going to 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 be more present this year. But I think that there's just kind of one spot for this type of guy, that banger guy, because they had Kamari Pleasant put on some weight in the off season, um, probably hoping that he could be this Dick Newton role, but. Newton's just playing too well. I, I think that, that if there's something were to go happen with Dick Newton, we'd see Kamari Pleasant hop right into that role. Um, but but I, you, you can't argue with his success. You know, he's hung on to the ball. He allows them to, to, to stick with the Wildcat formation. Uh, wild Dick, I'm sorry. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, 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 unless you have Savon Ahmed on your, your college fantasy team, uh, I think you should be very happy with how this is working out because uh, it allows for kind of a divided workload. Um, they can give an entire series to Sean McGrew as they, as you kind of saw when he had the touchdown, um, he had every carry on that drive. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I mean the, 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 the diversity in, in styles and also the, the ability to got, give guys a blow um, is, is a nice thing, especially for, for the middle of games. Uh Big opportunity for those guys this week, though, because BYU averages 4.7 yards per opponent's rush. Uh, they gave up close to 250 yards against Utah uh, and also against Tennessee. USC put up a buck 75 on the ground. 
against them. That's a golden opportunity for them this week against the BYU Cougars, uh, which brings us to fourth down at BYU, uh, the first road game I attended that wasn't a bowl game. Uh, senior year of high school, your boy and my dad went down to Provo to watch uh, Jake Locker lead a potential game-winning drive in Provo. Uh, coming up short in uh, what was an all-in-out depressing weekend, learning about how lame Provo is uh, and losing at the same time. That was also my first flight of my whole life. Um, so, wow. yeah, what a weekend. Yeah, that was a 23-17 loss under Sark. I just remember being uh, destroyed because I had to work at Nike North Bend instead of making the drive down with my dad for that game. So, mm. um, in hindsight was probably happy that I didn't go down to that because of the crushing loss that it was. Um, but that being said, Provo is a tough place to play. They had roughly 62,000 this week um, or this past week against USC in their 30 to 27 overtime win. Um, BYU is also coming off of a 29, 26 win at Tennessee rest in peace. Um, <laughs> and then hung with Utah for the vast majority of their opening game, um, it was only a 10-point game uh, into the fourth quarter, nine to six at half. So, um, yeah, BYU or BYU is not a bad team. Uh, do I think we should beat them? Yes, but uh, like I said, tough place to play. It is a whiteout, which I was a little confused by because I thought it always was a whiteout. I know, but uh, <laughs> but it looks like we'll be wearing the purple jerseys once again. So, not a chance to see the new uh, road whites, which I'm a little disappointed about. Um, for BYU, they like to run the ball. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. Tyson, 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 I don't know. Tyson <laughs> Williams, 77 yards per game, uh, yards per game, 5.5 average, three touchdowns so far on the season. They created three turnovers last week against USC, which was probably the difference. So um, hopefully you can take care of the ball and try and uh, contain that rushing attack because, like I said, that's their bread and butter first and foremost. Yep, BYU 2-1, and one, uh, having played Utah. That game kind of got a- away from them after a pick six in that game. Uh, they beat FCS team Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee is an FCS team <laughs> until they beat an FBS team um, after they lose to an FCS team. That's just the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. then USC in overtime. So hard to really tell what you have with this team. 2-1 and one with two seemingly quality wins. Winning in Knoxville, no matter the, the status of the team, is, is a difficult thing. Uh, and then beating USC, ranked USC in overtime, albeit with uh, Keaton Slovis, um, who did not look great in that game. Uh, quarterback Zach Wilson, scrappy, young fella, a good scrambler, one of those eyes downfield, uh, fucky play uh, or two per game. <laughs> um, just just the type of guy he is. You mentioned Tyson Williams, uh, number five, he'll get the ball a lot. Uh, if you remember last year, they had all that kind of jet sweep um, yep. action that was coming through. We talked about that last time. Uh, Aliva Hifo, uh, number 15, is probably your guy for that. They also have Matt Bushman, uh, six foot six oh. tight end, uh, will be a unique challenge for this Husky defense. Really haven't seen that type of specimen uh, go up against the Huskies. It's been mostly, um, you know, <laughs> your, your normal sized human uh, playing yeah. against them. So, so interesting to see how they use Bushman, who was uh, featured prominently in that, that Utah game. Yeah, I it it probably is the last tight end we faced like that was probably our Sega Whiteside against Stanford, I would think. Yeah, yeah, our Sega Whiteside um, really dragged Miles Bryant around for for the game yeah. at Stanford a couple years ago. So interesting to see what they do with him because don't put him on, don't put <laughs> Bryant on this guy. Yes, yeah, um, that would be a challenge. I think that would go to a guy like Cam Williams. Um, however, that would Yikes. be a challenge for a guy who. Um, has struggled at, at times this year, and yep. this will be his first road game. So we'll see. Um, if I was the BYU offensive coordinator, I would hit that up early and often. But how to mm-hmm. move the ball against USC? Uh, last week, USC had 10 play drives, 9 play drives, or sorry, a 10 play, a 9 play, 11 play, 13 play, and 11 play scoring drives uh, against SC. Does that sound familiar to any game uh, that the Huskies have played recently? Uh, did Cal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So very, very methodical, not very explosive. Um, the 13 play yeah. drive actually ended with a 30 yard touchdown for SC. So if that hadn't happened, that oh, wow. drive might've been like an 18 play drive. Um, and yeah. that even that play shouldn't even have counted if you saw the, the, uh, illegal touching dispute there with Michael Pittman jr. But, 
Um, regardless, I think it's it's important for the Huskies to not allow USC to play straight up. Two of those interceptions that happened were uh, the faults of, of a lot of bodies in the middle of the field. Um, so really stretching them out and, and, and being vertical with this passing attack uh, will both open up the run game and also, I think, challenge uh, BYU in a way that they, they didn't really get hit uh, hard by USC. I was very like you know, out routes, um, dig routes, those types of things against, against BYU last week. So we'll see, um, how, how Bush Hampton and the Huskies attack, uh, BYU, but I would hope that they would stretch it out a little bit more than they have. I'm excited for this game. I, 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 BYU is a quality team. One that we're, uh, we showed last year, how much more talented we are than, uh, 35, seven last year in Husky stadium. Uh, but this one road tests, Jacob Eason's first road game as a Husky, um, kind of hard to tell what we have here with the, the, the Hawaii blowout, the Eastern blowout, and the Cal disaster. Uh, this could easily show you that the Cal thing was kind of a, of, of, of a blip in the paint or a blip in the radar or sorry, if I don't even know <laughs> what the analogy is there, uh, an anomaly. How about that? Uh, and just kind of the, the product of weird circumstances or, uh, this team has a lot of flaws and, and those will get exposed on Saturday. So what about you? Are you, what's your, what's your excitement level for this one? Uh, I'm excited just because I feel like, I mean, no disrespect to Cal because I kind of already knew what Cal was going to bring to the table. Um, I don't really know what BYU is going to bring to the table, but I feel like they're definitely a test. Mm -hmm. Um, and they've played some quality opponents already, which we've played teams that haven't really played quality opponents yet. Um, so I feel like this is a good litmus test for us. Um, just looking back on head-to-head against BYU, uh, it looks like the last time we won in Provo was 90, in 1997 when Jim Lambright was the head coach. So it's been a long time uh, since we've been able to top them. Um, so it would be nice to go down there and grab a win from them after you know obviously losing in 2010 and then the whole dispute i'm sorry to bring this up but the whole debacle in 2008 with the jay clocker (laughs) throwing the ball up in the air after scoring a touchdown and then losing by one point type thing um so yeah i'd be i'd like to repay them for that yeah definitely um i was gonna say that the first husky touchdown um someone should just take the ball and throw it straight up in the air uh take the penalty uh to, to to snuff that that in the bud but um, there's no need to do that because that was a very long time ago and has nothing to do with this team. Uh, yeah. So that 97 game, uh, Rashawn Sheehy, 12 carries, 172 yards at a touchdown. Uh, Brock Hewer at 18 to 23 uh, for 285 yards. Well done, Brock. Uh, congrats, the days. congrats on the podcast. Purple helmets for those boys back there. Yeah. Uh, wow. And do you want to name uh, the quarterback who came in late in that game for mop-up duty? Uh, and went one for one with three yards. Is it a one Marcus Tuiasosopo? Ding, ding, ding! Yeah. Nice. Uh, so those were some long time ago. Let's uh, let's avenge that. But before we get out of BYU, I have, as I promised you before the the show in our uh, extensive pre-show meeting, where ah uh, uh, yes, yes, uh, I have a surprise for you and listeners mm-hmm. of the podcast. Will remember last year. Uh, we played a game of is this a real BYU football player or not, <laughs> um, which we've done in, in various forms uh, in, in other other varieties, talking about Texas Tech quarterbacks and things like that. Uh, but uh, BYU has the whitest of white names on their on their roster every single year. Um, and I'm going to run some of those by you, and you're going to tell okay. me if it's a real one or not. Are you okay. ready? I'm ready. First one, Nate Heaps. Well, this seems like you're trying to go with the Jake Heaps connection here. I'm going to say false because I just think you're trying to trick me. Uh, I will try and trick you very, very soon. But yeah, Nate Heaps is a real BYU Cougar. Wow. Sorry, no relation. No relation, as far as I know. I mean, okay. <laughs> I, don't wanna get, I don't want to get too far in the weeds there, but you never <laughs> know with those guys. Uh, <laughs> second one, Gallon Lightenston. Gallon, like G-A-L-L-O-N? Correct. Wow. Uh, I'll say yes just because I want to I wanna know there's actually a person out there with the name of Gallon. I'm pretty proud of myself. I came up with this one. Gallon Lightenstein is, is not real. Um, Damn. <laughs> I look like an idiot now. <laughs> 0 for 2. Uh, <laughs> Bachelor Johnson the fourth. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> 
uh, yeah, let's go for it again just because I want this person to be real. Bachelor Johnson the fourth is a real BYU Cougar. <laughs> wow. Bachelor. I wonder if he if he has a significant other because that he might need to change his name. Uh, no E in Bachelor, so it could be Bachelor uh, Johnson the fourth. Uh, <laughs> but that's uh, terrifying. Uh, all right, Brevin Ward. Yeah, I think that's real. Brevin, that sounds that sounds like one of those new age type names that are coming up that, you know, parents are now giving their kids. Uh, I actually forgot about this one. Brevin Ward is real. Yes, I nice. didn't incorporate that. Uh, nailed <laughs> it. Uh, the next one is Carter Wheat. Uh, I'm just going to say no because I've said yes three times in a row now. <laughs> Carter Weed. <laughs> Carter Weed is real. That was the the the, ah. the lamest one. Uh, Kiefer Longson. Kiefer sounds like sounds like a name that I could see on the BYU roster. So yeah, we're gonna go with it as well. Uh, yeah, Kiefer Longson is real. Looked him up on Google Images. Dude looks thirty five years old, which is something to remember when you play BYU that the dudes might be thirty five years old. Well, uh, have, did you confirm if he was? Uh, let's see here. Um. Birth date for Kiefer Longson. Uh, we don't have it. They want to hide that information. Huh. We'll get to it. Mm. Um, this was the value adder, listeners. <laughs> yeah, dead air and pr- speculating. That's what people want to hear. <laughs> um, and then yep. the, the last thing about this BYU roster is I will concede that there is at least one cougar with the last name romney how many are there oh my gosh uh we're gonna go with that we're gonna go with three here you got it uh there are three and there are no relation between these three as far as i can tell baylor gunner and spencer romney all what happened to spencer that's so normal baylor and gunner that's a little bit more like it yeah disappointed in spencer my goodness. It was funny because I was scrolling through their roster and I was like, man, these are kind of lame this year. And then I got to a certain point and it was like, oh, my God. <laughs> that, that, that's when <laughs> I saw that's when I saw Bachelor Johnson or Bachelor Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, good times. So we could do a whole podcast just on names across um, college football. Who's the who's the cornerback for Nebraska? DiCaprio Boodle. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's that. There's Spoke Monday. Um, yep. from, from Auburn, the, uh, the louder milk guy, the punter from UCF. Oh, yeah. I don't know if he's still around. Jet toner is still kicking literally. Love, uh, love jet toner. Uh, not that anything's really working for Stanford anymore, but, uh, yeah, some, some great names out there. Gotta love if you, if you don't think of an inkjet printer when you hear jet toner, then I don't know what you're doing with your life. Cause that has to be the first thought every time. Yeah. And you would think his, his parents had that, pr- that, uh, that same thought, but, uh, I guess not. Anyways, big, big fans, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get inherit the family business. <laughs> let's uh, let's back our favorite little conference. Uh, it was a mixed bag this week for Larry Scott's All Stars. Um, can we call them Scott's Tots? Is that is that is that possible? Yeah. I think that, that we could workshop something there. Yeah, yeah, it has it, legs. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the good news: Wazoo gets it done at Houston on Friday. Uh, they did not cover, much to our dismay, but yeah. um, got it done. Uh, Forks, Arizona State wins in East Lansing in a very, very weird game, uh, as only we could expect. That's a two-game winning streak for Michigan for Arizona State against Michigan State. And as we all predicted, uh, Arizona, Arizona's defense clamps down, uh, holds Texas Tech to 14 points. I think they got to about half of what their over-under was in that game, 28-14. to 14. Uh, Khalil Over-under Tate, was 77 and a half. So it was the highest of the week in any Pretty close. Game. And I bet the over. Too bad. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> the Oregon State Beavers beat the future Silicon Valley Flag Football League champions in Cal Poly. Uh, congrats to the Beavs for getting off the Schneid. Uh, one and two for the Beavs so far this year. And then Utah beats Iowa. Or, sorry, Idaho State, uh, the other ISU. Uh, and then the bad. We talked about USC. They lose in overtime uh, when Keaton Slovis throws into double coverage on third and six in overtime. Uh, that ball falls incomplete. They kick a field goal. Uh, goes into second overtime. Uh, but alas, on the bad side, still Cal punted to North Texas up six with a minute and eight seconds left in the game. Chase Garbers, of course, goes nine of 23 in that game. Duh. 
Uh, Boulder down 10 in the fourth quarter and rallies back to force overtime, but ultimately loses to Air Force. And uh, you know how when we were leaving the Rose Bowl last year, how it got pretty cold over there once the sun goes down? I don't think the sun ever came back up on the the old Rose Bowl (laughs) because UCLA – just gets shit housed by by <laughs> Oklahoma in that game. Didn't even look uh, like they deserved to be on the same field. And then Stanford yeah. uh, goes yeah, to UCF good. and does nothing, nothing to shut up the uh, the Orlando faithful who are still clamoring for a national championship. Um, they get smoked there, and that game was never close. So you take the good with the bad if you're Larry this week. Yeah, it was that Stanford game. It was, I mean, the final score was 45-27, which is a little closer than probably Stanford deserves there. It was 38-7 to at the at halftime, just to give you an idea. So uh, this one, that one was over early. You mentioned the Bruins losing to Oklahoma. Um, Bruins in our own three. They're at WSU next week. So I mentioned it last week, but this they will be 0-4 after this coming week uh, unless WSU completely cougs it, which is, you know, possible. Um, speaking of that Oklahoma-UCLA game, uh, Jalen Hurts again with a huge game, 15 for 20, 289 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 14 carries, 150 yards, one touchdown. Uh, he is now the Heisman frontrunner. Um, whether you like it or not. So uh, that's kind of something interesting to monitor. I know not Pac-12 related, but um, yeah, it was a lot of good and bad, like you mentioned, for the Pac-12. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a little weird. USC being two and one at right now is actually probably a surprise in a good direction um, that they were that they were able to to hang on and, and get it done against Fresno. And who did they beat last week before they lose to BYU? Oh man. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, Stanford. Oh, right. Yes, yes. Uh, I bang up Stanford. Hang on against Fresno. Uh-huh. Yeah. So two and one. I think they'll probably take that, given their their starting quarterback is out for the year. Um, yep. But they'll get a weird one this week. Uh, Friday night, Utah and USC. I kind of love this Pac-12 owning the Friday night thing. Yeah. Um, it's better than Thursday by a long shot. Um, for for a lot of reasons. But uh, but this will be a game that everyone will pay attention to. Uh, and it, I think it'll be huge this week because so many people um, have been talking out of pocket about what Utah is or what Utah isn't. David Pollock, Lee Corso, both putting them in the playoffs. Uh, you're about to see what Utah's got, and you can make the decision after that whether that's a playoff team or not. But uh, I don't know. Um, I I will wait. I will hold off until Kyle Whittingham beats uh, the University of Washington for the first time in his career before making <laughs> make, making that judgment. Uh, but that'll be Friday night. Stanford and Oregon, um, probably the game that was going to decide the Pac-12 North. If you talked to, to people in or, or one of the two games that was going to decide the Pac-12 North or one of the three games, I guess. Uh, that game, boy, if Stanford doesn't show up for that one, um, this could be bad. Uh, but uh, but same thing for Oregon if they, if they can't get it done there. And then my favorite game of the week by far, Cal at Ole Miss. So weird. Perfect. <laughs> 85th and 88th most explosive offenses in the country. Oh. There's gonna be there's gonna be like 28 incomplete passes in this game. Uh, Cal winning though, I think you could agree on this. Would totally and completely absolve the Pac-12 from the Auburn game. Correct. Oh yeah, easily. Yes. Yep. yep. Uh, no questions asked. It would completely. The best thing. The best thing about that game will be the tailgating in the Grove beforehand. Yeah, there's going to be some Cal fans that are just just shaking at their core, terrified of, of what they see <laughs> in the Grove if they make it all the yeah. way out there. Uh, yeah. This is the type of game I wish the University of Washington would schedule, though, because we would be there in a heartbeat uh, oh, yeah. to, to go see that, that game. But not a lot of great reasons to go to Mississippi uh, if, if, it, if it ain't a business trip, if you know what I mean. Correct. To uh, let's let's hit the party scene here, the college football playoff and otherwise party. It was kind of a big old yawn this week in college football outside of the Pac-12, uh, but this week we've got some good ones. Michigan, Wisconsin. Uh, that'll be a game of, of who's real, who's not. Uh, mm-hmm. Auburn, A&M, same kind of thing. Although A&M um, proved, or you know, we saw a little bit more out of them in the Clemson game, uh, and then Notre Dame, Georgia. A game that no matter what the result, both teams will use as an excuse later in the season 
both positively and negatively if, if they if they lost. Because if Notre Dame loses, it'll be, hey, our only loss this season was to, to you know, a, a powerhouse in Georgia. And then Georgia will be able to do the exact same thing with Notre Dame. So can't wait for that game. Uh, let's see someone lose and then have it not matter in a few months after that. Yeah, it's uh, fun that we actually get some ranked matchups this week because we didn't last week. Um, so pretty solid Pac-12 slate, as you mentioned, coupled with – uh, a pretty good one as well in the national scene. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, this is probably the most excited of the first four weeks I've been to watch just college football in general. Yeah. Michigan, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Georgia, probably the two best games that we've had, uh, since the Auburn, Oregon game. I would, I would just off the top yeah. of my head in terms of, of just prestige and, and watchability, uh, from a national perspective. So yep. we'll tune into those. And that, uh, that concludes our, our, you know, regularly scheduled programming year. Now we're just handing out, awards and, and cats and things like that mm-hmm. uh great cat of the week who you got or what do you got uh a little redundant here because we just kind of talked about it um but my great cat is the pac-12 itself i know we talked about uh there were some good things with the pac-12 you know arizona state winning controversially in east lansing over michigan state um but then again you have teams like usc losing to byu in a normal situation that should never be happening Stanford not showing up against UCF at all. Like we mentioned, Colorado losing at home to Air Force after beating a ranked Nebraska team the week before. Cal escaping North Texas by six. UCLA embarrassed by Oklahoma. Um, Somehow, somehow, this conference has 10, or sorry, six ranked teams (laughs) in the top 25. Uh, Granted, four of those teams are 19 and above, but I, I just, I, think that's kind of um we are the pac-12 was not as good as those six teams being ranked uh sound um i would be surprised if asu cal um are ranked by the end of the season and at least one of utah oregon wsc or uw um are being not being ranked by the end of the season uh which leads me to my to a question for you Mm -hmm. who do you think is worse the pac-12 or the acc because the ACC only has two ranked teams right now in Clemson and somehow Virginia. Yes, um, and considering how that game against uh, for Virginia ended against Florida State, who um, has been fully had their pants taken down at this point uh, for being <laughs> a complete fraud. Uh, yep. Boston College getting just wiped by Kansas at home. Um, yep. that ain't good. Wake Forest and North Carolina are playing in a game that's not even a real ACC game. <laughs> somehow out of conference, they're just bending the rules to make their their conference yeah. better. And it's still not working. Uh, <laughs> Clemson doesn't even play Miami this year. Not that Miami's any good. Uh, it's it's gnarly in the ACC. I would say the Pac-12. I think that Clemson would would beat any Pac-12 team. Uh, sure. But you put in UW, Utah, Oregon, um, and uh, and and any three of those teams are going to win. And healthy USC, I think any of those three teams would have won the ACC. Um, definitely won the ACC Coastal, which is the 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 nebulous division that Virginia is going to win. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's icky in the ACC. Syracuse was the other ranked <laughs> team heading into the season. Uh, they get wiped by Maryland and Clemson in back-to-back weeps, weeks. Uh, yeah, I, I, but it doesn't matter because Clemson is going to run the table there, and they have already punched their bid uh, for the playoff. So congrats to yeah. them. Uh, my great cat of the week was also Pac-12 related. Um, it was, you know, one of our favorite things is when Mike Leach has just a really adorable thing at a press conference. Um, mm-hmm. And that happened again this week. He got in a little bit of heat for talking about the new California law uh, that would allow uh, college athletes to make make cash on the side uh, for their, their, their work. I'm not going to get into those weeds this time. Uh, but he also spoke about uh, which Pac-12 mascot would win in a battle royale. It's actually pretty funny. Um, I gave him some credit for for the thought he put into it. Something that we could we could spend time on it, uh, but we're a very serious podcast here, and we would never sure. never stoop to that level. But never. I did want to, to pull out a quote here from Mike Leach uh, regarding that battle royale. He asks a very good question. He says, first of all, what kind of mythical powers does the Sun Devil have? We have to consider that. Very good. Uh, however, Mike Leach, all you had to do is watch how that ASU game game ended to find the answer to that question. Uh, 
ASU has all the, the mythical powers to pull off that win. Um, <laughs> Jaden Daniels uh, winning that game the way he did. Uh, the 12 men on the field, the Rick Neuheisel curse play coming back to life to to help the Sun Devils uh, survive that game and also not get called for uh, jumping over the center uh, on that same, same missed field goal there. Uh, it was real weird, but Herm Edwards is just conjuring some some funny stuff down there in Tempe. Yeah, they yeah that one they're one of those teams that just is like I don't know who they are. So, um, <laughs> and I could even say that for Cal, even though we've already played and lost to Cal because you know they obviously struggle against North Texas. So they're in just that whole group of teams where I don't know who they are, and you could argue that UW's in that too. But yeah. Uh, even more so, I feel like ASU and some of those other fringe teams like Colorado. Yeah, I just love how ASU uh, is basically the same team no matter what. So they play Sac, Sac State at home, nineteen seven slog. <laughs> uh, they go to East yeah. Lansing, play a real team, ten uh, seven slog. Uh, they are just uh, fully ready to to grind out wins, which is a credit to Edwards because um, he wasn't starting with a necessarily full cabinet down there. Uh, my great cat of the week, in addition to the adorable Mike Leach thing in the Battle Royale, was uh, Big Ten Country, uh, for which I spent a lot of time this weekend. I was in Chicago, oh. um, and it was kind of a jealousy thing because I was able to find uh, 10 of the 14 Big Ten schools represented by people walking around Chicago. Uh, you couldn't find that anywhere in the Pac-12 country. There's no way no. that you could find that. Maybe if it was the Pac-12 tournament for basketball, maybe. Uh, but I'm not even positive that that's the case because I don't think Stanford fans would show up and dare, <laughs> dare, dare uh, find themselves in a place like Las Vegas. Um, no. But uh, I was pretty jealous because you could just walk into any bar and it's like an Iowa bar or an Illinois bar, a Wisconsin bar. Everything is just so well represented in, in Chicago, um, which is kind of a, of a, um, a, a cherry pick thing because um, – all those people who are, you know, are in Iowa and Wisconsin, uh, that's their like place that they go because that's the nearest cultural center is in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that makes a little bit of sense, but still, um, a little jealous that that uh, their their fandom runs runs as thick as it does over there in the middle of the country. Might might have to swing through there uh, in a couple of years when we play at Michigan. Ooh, uh, get some pie and uh, see see the sights, perhaps. Yeah, pie's overrated, by the way. Deep dish pizza. You're not a, You can have it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean, I still like it because it's pizza, and pizza has obviously has a very high uh, floor. Yes. But between between deep dish and thin crust, it's thin crust all day. the The biggest fault of deep dish is the time it takes to get. 45, yeah. 45 minutes to bake a pizza. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't take that long to make a steak. Like it's it's no. it's a real tough ass to have people just wait that long. Yeah, I agree. And that's not what pizza is about. Pizza is about instant gratification. <laughs> At least that's what I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Can't wait for that Michigan game. That'll be a whole other podcast talking about that. That'll be like a if we're still alive by then, like you and I. I think that that, Big that F. yeah, we're gonna that'll be like a, a four parter. I'm um, getting ready for that game. Yeah. Uh, well, we have one next season. So, yes. At home. Yeah. yeah. Might, might have to be there for that. Uh, OKG yeah. of the week. Who you got? Uh, this one was easy for me. It's the UW offense who scored on seven of their 10 drives, six of seven uh, in the first half. Uh, their drive average in the first half on touchdowns drives, on touchdown drives, this is, uh, which was five. Um, 4.8 plays, 64 yards, a minute 45. So it was get the ball and immediately score, which was uh, nice to see after we were seemingly unable to do that two weeks ago, albeit against a much better Cal defense. But uh, yeah, they were quick like in their production this week. Quick like? Yes. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Just not Efficient. backing down. Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> We are all about making stuff up. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, all about it. Anyways, uh, my, my OKGs this week, Cam Williams and Puka Nakua both touching the football for the first time in their Husky careers this weekend. Cam Williams with the pick after the Kyler Manu tip. Uh, that was a fun play. And Puka Nakua with the aforementioned uh, touchdown grab from Jacob Eason. Uh, that play was real nice. Uh, it was good to see him get on the field kind of out of nowhere. I don't think he had he – had, been on much uh before that but to, to see him get that ball uh against hawaii uh was very cool 
Joel Whitford has six punts this year for an average of 45.8 yards. Doesn't seem like uh, uh, like that's been a thing, but uh, his punting game has been real strong, and he hasn't had to do it very much. Uh, that puts him as, if it stands, the all-time single-season leader for the Huskies. Uh, Kyle Rasp was the longest single-season average ever at 45.6 in 2011. So Whitford's thing probably won't last, but uh, at least at this pace, it's uh, it's real nice. And and he's Australian, so you know he's he's got to be cool too. Oh yeah, he's and, probably a good guy to hang out with. Yeah, he's he probably had more beers than you did before that Hawaii game. <laughs> well, he this is a guy who signed his letter of intent uh, <laughs> oh, to the yeah. University of Washington in a cow pasture. Uh, so yes. uh, that just tells you what kind of uh, fun guy this is. My second favorite LOI signing ever, first being Marquise Chris signing it on the back of his car um before before uh before, seemingly like before school it was it was real fun. yeah i love i miss marquise chris um saw marquise chris at the at the stadium this week this really? past weekend in fact him him and dom green were walking the concourse before the game he yeah. loves and misses being a husky so bad because uh now he's just like the worst player in the nba and that's not a good place <laughs> to be is he even signed yet uh, that's a good question. I, I don't know. That's not my forte, as you know. Yeah, it should be mine. Marquise Chris is a Sacramento King. Uh, he's coming home. Nope, that's not true. Nice. Okay. Uh, <laughs> God, we're on fire. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Probably I'll find a good, that way, good time to just end this then. <laughs> no, no, it's not because I was going to give my last OKG to Kate Otten. Uh, no, oh, no fair. catches in the Hawaii game. Cleared out uh, Hunter Bryant for that touchdown. Uh, but then also there was a play where Jacob Eason was scrambling in the first half. He completely sells out, doesn't go for the the catch at all, just blocks the nearest guy because that's what Kate Otten does, just crushes what's nearest him. Uh, he is a unsung hero for this team on the play a lot on the field a lot, uh, but doesn't get the ball. All uh, his uh, mentor mentors uh, Will Disley and um, Andrew Sample. So good for Kate Otten. He doesn't wear receiver. He doesn't wear receiver gloves. So you does, know that's the type of player he is. Doesn't even know what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Hasn't even paid attention to that. That is a, as an idea. <laughs> uh, all right, that'll do it. This was good, uh, albeit uh, not airtight, but you couldn't expect it to be from us. Uh, Stanton, nope. thanks for doing this. Go dogs. Um, hopefully, a, uh, a happy Saturday, a happy twelve thirty Saturday for you. Back to back for that. Uh, that'll be fun, and uh, we'll talk next week as I'm be inbound for that USC game. Sounds good. Can't wait. Go dogs. All right, buddy. Go dogs.